listening to Tarot Visions. You lucky devil. Hi, Jamie. Hey, Rose. How's it going? Well, the end of the year has come and gone, and it is now 2020. (sighs) I don't know how I feel about all of this. I mean... It feels like we should be like watching Dan Rather or somebody or Barbara Walters in 2020 and talking about that because, you know, news television. But I think it's, you know, a great new opportunity for us to really get out and meet some new people. And then, of course, bring in some older favorites. And that's what we get to do today. Yay! I know. It's like 2020. We're living in the future. Cyberpunk is here. We've got our implants, right? We've got... All those flying cars? Oh, wait, no, but we've got flying (laughs) drones. That's true. We do have flying drones. (laughs) And we have wonderful internet technologies. We can just plug in, tune out, be in VR. So I guess in some ways we are living the dream. Uh, It's not my dream, but it's definitely not the Ridley Scott dream either. So, you know, we'll figure it out. But I think, you know, we need to just look at what the tarot has to hold for us and being able to get out into the world and meet people and chat and show the information that tarot can give to you, even in the future. I agree. And you know what? We have a friend of ours that actually lives kind of in the future, at least from us. That's true. She is a couple of hours ahead of us, generally speaking. And she is an excellent reader. I mean, every advice she's ever given to me or anything has just been wonderful. So I wonder if she's got any time today to maybe talk about all the future stuff that's going on. Well, you'll have to reach out. How are we going to do it? Hmm. Good question. I say we roll some dice. All right. You got that. Yep. I got some dice. Let's. All right. Do it. All righty. Come on, big money. No winnings. I got a seven. That's a good lucky number. That's a good lucky number. I think that that might be enough to bring our our wonderful guest, Jenna Matlin, on. Jenna. Jenna, are you there? Hey, guys. Hi. Fantastic. Hello. How are you this bright and wonderful morning of 2020? Uh, I'm doing wonderful in the new decade of the newish century. Thank you very much. How are you guys doing? (laughs) Pretty good. But I was thinking about all of the things that we've learned over this long time that we've known you and really enjoyed how much you give back to the spiritual entrepreneurial community. Thanks a lot. That's a really nice thing to say. I just feel that what we do as a service has great potential to help the world. And the more that we can help good people professionalize, It's a tide that raises all boats, and that means we're just able to help more people effectively. Yeah. Well, I know that one of the things that you do is spiritual entrepreneurial meetup, if you will, but it's kind of like a Zoom monthly class where people who are spiritual entrepreneurs get together and chat. How did you start that? How did I start that? (laughs) That's a good question. Well, it happened after I launched my book, from last year, Have Tarot Will Party. And I decided from there that it would be great to have a place for people to talk online, no strings attached, Mm -hmm. and just be a place to kind of share your struggles, your strengths, give advice to other people in the same place. Because what I know is to be an entrepreneur can sometimes feel really lonely. 
It's a completely different animal than a typical nine to five position. And a lot of times we may feel isolated in our work. So being able to have a place where we are commiserating with one another, I think is, is a resource that I love giving to the community. Well, and that really feeds into have tarot will party, because again, you give us a lot of knowledge on how to get out and use tarot and get people to hire us to be at their parties and their events. And so I really appreciate that blend personally of how you do that. But then you've also started giving out this wonderful little Friday treat. Um, Are you continuing that in 2020? Yeah. So every week I do something called a fortune Friday and Mm -hmm. it's, it's basically our fortune, but I mix it up. So it's whatever modality I feel like I want to use that week. So it could be tarot. It could be Lenormand. It can be eating. It can be rune casting. It can be charm casting. And sometimes it's kind of funny and silly. Like sometimes I feel like doing a Chinese Oracle Maybe I'll use an eight ball. It's really kind of whatever strikes my fancy at the moment. I know I've loved them. When I first started getting them, I had no idea what to expect. I think from the get-go, that first one, I emailed you and was just like, OMG, this is spot on. And then ever since, I look forward to getting them in my inbox every Friday to read through because even though they're not written specifically for people, they're just for the general earth, air, fire, water signs. I noticed last month you started doing a kind of a spirit one for everybody. So that was mm-hmm. kind of neat to see, but they've been spot on. So I feel like, you know, you're using me as the fire sign template or almost because I'm just always like, oh, that's spot on. Or okay, I'm going to watch for that for this upcoming week. So it's been a lot of fun to see. That's awesome. Well, you know, it started, it kind of was born over the summer. As you guys know, I moved from Philly to the Durham area of North Carolina. And so one of the thoughts was, how do I remain connected to my people? Since I'm no longer obviously going to see people in session as often in Philadelphia. And I was like, well, what do people want from me (laughs) as a reader, right? Right. They want fortunes. So uh, I decided to do that. I did a lot of research in newsletter marketing. And if we use the newsletter to just sell something, then we don't engage people. We want to use a newsletter to engage people. And then if they feel like they want to buy something, awesome. But it's not necessarily every newsletter is a pitch. So for me, it was just about giving something back and also another way to stay connected. Brilliant. And then again, as you pointed out, it was a good way to explore different modalities that you happen to be into. And that's why I love it. Besides the information, which is always spot on, I get to learn new things that you have found out in the world, like the bird tarot that I had never heard of. And then, uh, you know, then just how you used dice for one and the I Ching for another. And it's just like, it's really fun to see all of those things and seeing someone who is so well-versed in using things that I haven't had a chance to ever explore because again, kind of having that one-way channel of, oh, I'm a tarot person. Oh, wait, look at that. That's really fancy and neat. I don't need to learn that, but this person knows it and I can get that information and see how beautiful these other modalities are out there, which is really great. And I noticed you touched on it, so I will ask, because I know, I think it was last month or month or two ago, you had a chance to go back home to Philly to do some in-person readings. And it was 
crazy making from what I could read of this 12 hour days. So tell us how that was and how did that feel going back home now that you're, you know, trying to establish yourself in this beautiful new place? How did that work for you? Yeah. I mean, the honest thing is it's been really challenging moving clients who are in-person clients because I had an office for the last eight years in Philadelphia. And so it's been an interesting journey because a lot of those clients do not want to make the leap to Zoom or phone readings. There is a deep-seated belief that their physical presence needs to be part of the session or that the session is not going to be as accurate if they're not there. And despite lots and lots of education on my part, it's been really hard to make that shift. Uh, You either have your online people and they're fine with it or you don't. And it's really hard to cross pollinate. So I decided to go back and I'll probably go back a couple of times a year. So the goal was to stay for about a week. I was able to secure a place for a week that I could use all the time. And so I wanted to maximize my time there. So I was literally working from 9.30 in the morning to 9.30 at night. But the way I did it was I did two hours of sessions and then an hour off, two hours of sessions, an hour off. So in my mind, I was just breaking it up into two hour sessions, two hour sessions, two hour sessions. And then that hour between, maybe I'd meditate or I'd go for a walk or I'd eat something or handle emails. So it was really hard. Like I felt like all I did was sleep, eat, brush my teeth and do readings. I don't recommend that in the long term, but as a professional reader, I was really astounded by what are we capable of doing? Like how far can we push ourselves and still be capable? So in a week I did about 52 sessions. I did block out some, some cancellations just to give myself some extra time, but it was definitely intense for sure. Is this something you'd recommend other readers to try maybe just once out of the year or once every quarter? I think if you're doing something where you're traveling, the economics of it really means that you're going to have to be very busy because you have to cover your transportation costs. If you were just staying where you are and making money, it has to equal or better the the work of actually traveling. So that's the one thing I think people need to think about if they are going to do travel because I do other travel events. Like I have a friend in Des Moines, Iowa that I go see and I do psychic galleries there and I am jam packed almost the same, but it's only over four days Mm -hmm. because you have to make it worth it. You have to cover your, all of your expenses and then somehow make a profit. So I, I just don't see how it could be low key while you do that. But yeah, I think everyone should push themselves and see what they're capable of. With the caveat that uh, the moment you think you're not able to give the client as good as they deserve, then that's when you need to call it and be honest with yourself. You don't ever want to phone it in with anybody. That's really good advice. And I love that as we're talking, you're definitely bringing up things that a lot of listeners might not think about. The financial end of things where a lot of readers are like, I'm just going to read tarot and it's going to be great and I'll make some money off of it. But like you said, going back to Philly costs some money. I don't know how long it takes for travel time to get from where you're based now to back to Philadelphia or room and board or food options. And so people sometimes forget about that, including myself. Whenever I go out to festivals or do other things, sometimes I'll forget, well, I need to make X expenditures to cover the plane ticket or the hotel costs. 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think for people that want to go pro, uh, it's important just to look at the math because I think that what we do is a huge like expenditure of our energy. And so we need to make sure that that energy that we're expending is being properly remunerated because we don't want to burn out. And the readers that I see burning out are the ones that don't have good boundaries that will just go and read and read and read or like let someone sit for three hours at their house and they can't get them to leave. Like that kind of stuff can really start to feel overwhelming when you don't have good boundaries in place. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I think that the economics, like, is this worth my time? What am I getting for what I'm giving? And does this make sense for me is a really important factor. Though as readers, we tend to be more intuitively based and go with our gut feeling. So it may not always feel so natural to do this super logical, like plotting out <laughs> an Excel spreadsheet. You know what I mean? I avoided Excel in college. I remember I worked in a computer lab. And so I had a lot of people from the psychology department tell me, you know, I need to use Excel. Can you help me? And I'm like, well, I can boot it up for you. Oh, wait, you're not going to do my homework. It's like, I'm an English major. I don't use Excel. I know Word. I can help you with Word, but not Excel. So yeah, I avoided the math. Sometimes still do. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be honest, I'm terrible at math and I literally hate math. So anyone listening, don't think that I'm like this like business guru who does math all the time and I love it. Like I literally hate it. (laughs) But it's important because math brings data. Like does this thing work for me? Does it not? But I mean, I'm, I'm being very heavily biased towards the pro side. I mean, for your listeners that are just tarot readers and love tarot reading, from an energetic perspective, I think it's important to see what you are capable of and what you can do and see how you can push out. Because one of the myths that my clients have about intuition or clairvoyance is that you're not going to do as well when you're tired. And that's actually opposite of mm-hmm. the case for me, that some of my most poignant and accurate readings come when I'm really tired or I'm really sick. And I think that's because when we are in those spaces, our judgmental mind, our opinionated ego is kind of quieted, Mm -hmm. which means that those kind of deeper messages are easier to obtain. We get out of our own ways, I think, too. And we can't stop ourselves when we're in those spaces because it just comes. And if if you... Because when you're not focused on what you're doing in the, oh, I've got to give the best reading, I've got to get, you kind of get in your way. But when you stop thinking about all of that, and I bet you being tired does help with that because it's like, nope, I just got to pull cards. And then you do it and you don't let yourself get in the way, which is kind of nice to hear that it's not just me. Yay. No, <laughs> no. And and the people say, oh, well, I never drink and I do readings. I'm like, why? Like two drinks would could make you a better reader, actually, because you're relaxed, you don't have that judgmental mind, you're not being self-conscious, you're just kind of like letting it all spill out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not more than two, probably, like it depends on everyone's level. Right? Yeah, but what you mean is have something that makes you relax, not necessarily blotto. There's a big difference. <laughs> and, you know, Jamie and I have talked about doing readings, whether you're drunk or not. And Jamie has a whole class on tarot and imbibe and divine is the name. Yeah, I teach a class called Imbibe and Divine where it is a maximum cap of two wine glasses, full wine glasses, because it does open up for writers, those listeners out there who do write, 
when you have a glass or two of wine, it will also do the same thing as if you have a glass or two of wine as a reader. It kind of kills off your inner editor. It opens, for reading, it opens the channels to the divine where you can just tap into that pool of wisdom or knowledge and just let things fly. I mean, I've done some really successful readings at bars. I've read for people that are drunk. I've read for people that aren't. I've been tipsy a little bit. And it's amazing what things you can do when you step out of the, oh, I never read for people that are drunk or I never do it myself, you know, when you experiment on that, which is why I offer that class for a safe environment to experiment and to open yourself up to those new experiences, just like Jenna does. Wait, Jamie, so in this class, people get to drink while they're in your class? Is that the deal? Yeah. So it's a a 21 and over class. So I have people that know how to, you know, check IDs at the door. And if I'm offering this at a festival where they have the ability to bring in the floating bar type thing, people will go up, they'll buy their glass, we'll talk about the taboos. So we'll do a little bit of education about all this. Because that's exactly why I started this class. And I wanted to see where people fell on the line or I never drink or yeah, it's not a problem for me. So they sip their first glass of wine and then I have them partner up or group up and then just start reading for each other in this environment. And then if they want a second drink, I turn into the hostess, grab their money, go up and get their second glass of wine and then serve water to those that don't want any more alcohol in their system. So it works out really well. It's an interesting class because it's got a lot of variables in it. But the last iteration that I did, a lot of people had a lot of fun with it. Some people were still like, now that I've actually done it, I never want to do this again. (laughs) However, now I know what it does to me. So I don't have to have that fear of going out into a bar, doing this and just being totally exposed as far as the psychicness goes. Yeah, you know, I think that's such an amazing class idea. One of the things that I feel is a bit dismaying in the tarot community, though I think it's changing, are some of the rules and regulations people Mm -hmm. have picked up along the way. Like, oh, you could never do this, or oh, you have to always do that. And even my own internalized rules, like, oh, I can't do this thing, or oh, I won't do this thing. And then when I do question that assumption, I'm like, well, can I? And what would that look like? Whenever I've pushed against even my own unconscious made conscious beliefs, mm-hmm. that is this actually is this actually true or am I limiting myself in some way? I have found that usually it's me limiting myself in some way. Yeah, no, I hear you because again, I personally don't want to do health readings specifically. Like, unless the person in front of me has a this is an actual concern of mine that I am actually going through, then I might do it. And then it's not because I can't do it. Mm. It's because I just don't want to feel like, okay, I've given you advice on something. I I don't know what to give you specific right now. And it didn't work. And therefore you're going to get mad at me because it didn't work. And it's like, that's my limit, but that's just a personal, that's not a, nobody should do that. But I do hear that a lot. It's like, nobody should do X. And you're like, well, why? And then you know, as you pointed out, it's like, well, maybe it's just me. I shouldn't do that. Or, you know, or I should try that and figuring out where my limits are or your limits are as a, as a reader in general. And I think that's nice to know that we all have that, but there's also that, you know, here's the rules. Well, whose rules are they? Who made them up? Where's my silk thing to wrap around every deck I own? Where's my wooden box? And, you know, I'm like, 
I don't have all of that stuff and nor do I have space for all of that. And that's why I, you know, call myself an experimenter with tarot because I like breaking down those things. Mm-hmm. Why do we do these myths? Why do we even have the myths to begin with or, you know, test them out? So a lot of my classes are playing with that. You know, a lot of people don't like to mix and match decks like Lindermann and Tarot. And I'm like, why not? Let's see what, you know, it's capable of or charms or, you know, let's add all the toys in and see what sort of beautiful messes or wonderful creations we can get out of them. I completely agree. I feel like Tarot's limitations are truly just our own lack of imagination. Mm-hmm. And I see that with clients too, that there is this public understanding that tarot is only good for a couple of things, telling the future about my love life, telling the future about my job, and that's about it. And I'm just like, tarot is so much more incredibly amazing than that. Mm-hmm. It can do so much more than that, as you guys know. I mean, I don't have to list out the reasons. So part of my work with clients is like, yeah, we can do that, but let me show you what else we can do with this. It's like having... <laughs> a computer but only using one button and that's the only button you know and that's so therefore you think that's the only button that really exists it's like excel right like yeah yeah i know how to do three things on excel that's what i do but there's like a hundred things you can do with excel yes exactly so i feel like again there, there's shift in the tarot community but also how tarot is represented within the wider cultural framework mm-hmm. is shifting in a way that i think is really positive and i know there's some pushback on that so it's like well tarot is not psychological okay tarot is psychological and not predictive okay again we're putting this thing in like these boxes mm-hmm. without really the data to back that up or the personal experience to back that up or acknowledging that other people have experiences different than yours and they're just as valid and beautiful and wonderful. Yeah. And I think that we're seeing that come up again and again, especially, I think I've seen a couple of controversies on Twitter where somebody says, this is the only way that you do tarot and anybody who does it differently is wrong. And then you have a plethora of people going, Oh, I guess we're all wrong then. And (laughs) giving you all the reasons why that big, overarching thing is it to say this is what I do and this is all I do that's fine I think that's something listeners you need to keep in mind is that we're saying that there can you can say I don't do blah and that's your choice but you shouldn't really tell other people they can't do blah it makes that they're bad readers if they do that because again it's not your experience you don't get to tell somebody how to do their own readings please come on this is not the world we live in One of the things that I've done is like last year, Teresa Reed posted an article on the health idea of doing readings or not doing them. Yeah. And I read that and then I decided I was going to challenge myself. And I went to a event and had a person come to me and say, I have a medical thing. We went through the steps this person had done Mm -hmm. because the whole point was, well, they're coming to you for a last resort. And so I use the cards to brainstorm other things. Like, have you gone to this sort of expert? Have you tried this thing? Have you thought that maybe uh, it might be stress-related or X, Y, Z? So it's fun to read and listen to other people's opinions or what they do in their practices. And you can agree and disagree at the same time. But if they do something different, ask them, well, why do you do that? How do you do that? And then maybe they can teach you how to do it. Or maybe you go off and play with that technique on your own and see again, whether or not you want to incorporate that into your practice, or if you really are that adverse to doing health reading. 
a lot of us have done that disclaimer of, I'm only writing for entertainment purposes only. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not any, you know, sort of professional. And yet they are still coming to us for these sort of questions. So it's, we have to honor sometimes those clients that do come and then work out a way that is both agreeable to both us and our integrity and them and what they're seeking. Exactly. So Jenna, speaking of all of these things of working with people, I hear that you might be doing some classes come spring. What kind of classes are you thinking of doing and sharing? Because I know you have a plethora of things. Yeah, I have a bunch of classes coming up for the spring. This month in January, I have a Tarot 101 course. And the Lenormand, Lenormand 101 course, they both kick off in January. These are all online uh, distance, but live courses. So it's not like purchasing a package. Like we have live courses. It's just all in Zoom. Mm -hmm. Then in March, I'm doing something I really love. It's called Tarot Caravan. And it's an eight-week tarot experiential journey. It's irrelevant what your level of tarot is, Mm -hmm. whether you're completely, I just opened these and pulled them out of the box, or I've been doing this for quite a while. It's about how do we knit our creative energies and our intuitive energies to the tarot in ways that are different than what we've maybe taught before. So it's eight weeks. There's guided meditations. There's journaling. There's homework every week that's usually creative. And it's based on the senses. So I love it. I want more people to do it because it's a lot of fun. And then I have two more courses after that. Tara Royalty, which is just digging into the court cards. Because as you guys know, for low, intermediate, and beginner readers, those court cards can really be vexing. Yeah. And then finally, I do something called Surefire Spreads. Because I feel a lot of times, especially if you're like mid, intermediate, and lower, a lot of the spreads make it harder for you to read than actually easier. Mm-hmm. And I have it on my medium page where I write articles. Like one of my big beefs is a beginner being told pull one card a day and just whatever. Like, I feel like there's so much wrong here. <laughs> Number one, there's not enough context, especially for people who are new to their intuitive selves. There's not enough context to really understand. So if you're like, okay, I've pulled Knight of Pentacles for my day today. Then you have your day. And at the end of the day, you're like, okay, well, what the hell did that mean? Was that that dude that gave me a dollar? Was it that I paid off this bill that I had? Does it mean this really like olive skinned, chestnut haired, handsome person came my way? Like, what does this actually mean? And so I think we are creating more frustration. And when we are frustrated, that shuts down our intuitive centers. Mm-hmm. For me, the goal is always how do I make this as non-anxiety producing as possible to get you to a place of fluency as quickly as possible? And so that's what Surefire Spreads is really all about. As somebody that does the, you should do a daily draw, and I have three different methods of doing that. Sounds like maybe I should take the Surefire Spreads course so I can help demystify to other people when I say, draw a card a day. I did take last year the Tarot Caravan course with Jenna, and it was an amazing and fun look through the tarot, through the different senses. A lot of us forget that we do and can use the rest of our tangible senses besides the intuitive box that we have. So it's always fun to bring in smells or the visual or the touch aspect. I mean, when people get into this, some of the readings will be tactile. It'll be like, well, if you had to give it a touch type of sensation, what would it be like? So I highly recommend the Tarot Caravan course. It's so much fun. 
That's very kind of you to say. And I want to follow up on the one card a day thing. I don't think that they're bad at all. I think they're wonderful, but they can be very confusing for that being the absolute first step of a beginner. That's, that was my point. Yeah, I use one card a day all the time for myself, but I find that very, very new readers tend to learn quicker when we're looking at three card spreads where you're reading it like a comic strip and you're, mm. creating, you're creating a sentence out of those three with help to really understand and build the right question. So sometimes I feel like a rookie challenge is that people aren't making the questions succinct enough so that it's just too big. So, you know, I'll be like, okay, well, what's, what's the question you want to know? I want to know about my love life. Okay. Well, that's a topic. That's not really a question. (laughs) Yeah. So helping people get to a succinct enough question where they feel like it's boxed in enough that the tarot really speaks to it in a way that's really clear without confusion is really, I feel is the way to go. And that's how I teach. I think that's brilliant because again, I think we've all kind of learned that when we all first started, you pull a card a day and then you, you know, learn the image. And I think that what you're saying is that, no, don't just do one, do a couple. Because again, making a sentence out of three cards really then gives you a little bit more information. Uh, Also from what you're seeing in front of you too, not just asking the question, which is very good, but also, okay, so how does this make a story? Right. And that's a good way, I think a little bit deeper way to learn your deck is how can it make sense? Yeah, you know, and one of the things I tell my students, because, you know, if you're doing a lot of tarot, you're going to run out of questions yeah. <laughs> pretty quickly and all your friends' questions pretty quickly. I tell people go to Reddit relationships and oh. like just pick five out and then just go down to the too long TLDR, too long didn't read, like synapses. And do a reading on for that person. And oftentimes, they will give an update. So then you're actually getting information later, like did the thing that I read, did that actually correlate with what happened for this person or, you know, where that went? And I don't feel too bad about, you know, because some people are like, well, you don't have permission to do that. And that may be the case. But if you're posting this on Reddit, like in a public forum, I don't, I feel like you're, you're kind of comfortable with people looking at your situations. Yeah. And I was going to say, Hey, look, it's a good use for Reddit. Yes. (laughs) Because sometimes that can be a dumpster fire and sometimes it can be amazing. It just depends on what part of Reddit you go to. And it sounds like you found a way to really incorporate the good part of Reddit into something teachable. And I think that's kind of fantastic. I agree. I was telling people, you know, like, watch your favorite show and at any time there was a question that would come up on the screen pause it if it's something you've already watched before quickly jot it down and then pull out your cards and try and do a reading for it just as if the character was sitting in front of you asking you that question yeah i think that's a great idea too i really feel that the fastest way to get good at tarot is to do tons of readings over time until you're very fluent Well, that's why I wrote my first book, How Tarot Will Travel, because nothing levels up your tarot game as quickly as doing festival-based readings, where you're doing 10-minute readings, 10-minute, 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 10-minute. It's crazy how fast you level up when, when you have the opportunity to do that. Oh, yeah, I agree. And it also gives you a way to you'll have questions you never even thought of. I mean, you may have the topic that you've heard of a bajillion times, because generally speaking, you're going to get that, but you may not have heard of the question the way this person's asking it. I mean, I had one at a festival, it was a book signing. 
it was a little girl and her mom. And I'm like, oh, great. Because I'm surrounded by teenagers because it was for Twilight book, a book release. Don't ask. And the mom was like, okay, can she get a reading? And I'm like, of course she can. Does she have a question? And the little girl's like, no. But we started looking at cards. And she pointed out that, oh, that looks like Jesus. And I'm like, okay, we're going with it. And we did. And it was a beautiful reading. And the mom was really appreciative that I was willing to work with her daughter. Her daughter was 10. It wasn't like she was five. But it was just great to see something I didn't even see in my cards on a deck that I use all the time, which is the Robin Wood for this particular reading and going, oh, the King of Swords. Right. Okay. Jesus. Got it. Good to know. And, you know, you honor that because that's what they see. And it's just fun to find out how you can expand your knowledge based with people you've never even talked to or seen before. I completely agree. I think that some people look down their nose at people that are party readers or festival readers. And I think that that's unfortunate because I kind of call it like evangelical tarot or tarot gorilla, gorillaness, gorillaism, because uh, I like being at, in those interstitial places where I'm kind of something unexpected and something someone would never, ever do on their own in a million years. And if they're brave enough to sit with me, it's incredible what you could crack open with them and how you can actually change their perspective on the world, on their own worldview. I like being in those places. So if I was too good to be in those places, then I wouldn't have that as much because as a pro reader, the people that are making appointments with me are coming in, they've already, there's already some buy-in on some level. Yeah. But in these other places, we get people where there's really no buy-in and I feel like it's so, it's just so intoxicating. I really love it to be honest with you. Well, yeah, we're the first exposure to tarot. And it's just fun where, you know, I've jokingly in the past called it the gateway drug or something, but it's that taste. It's that first thing where they come and they approach us. Is this real? Are you for real? How does this really work? Are, Are you really psychic? And then you get to engage with them and say, well, you know, here's some levels. I can do whatever is most comfortable with you or the person that you are trying to drag in. Yeah, I think that as tarot readers, we tend to be maybe more introverted or more introspective. And this kind of stuff is really intimidating. I tell people that I'm actually quite introverted. I just have a very convincing extroverted mask. (laughs) You know, I'm a Gemini. So I think that that makes sense for people. So I tell people, like, you're not giving a reading to the whole party. It's still one person at a time. So it's still one-to-one, no matter who's there, no matter if there's 500 people or 10 people, it's always one-to-one. Well, until you do a gallery reading, then it's not. But that's, that's another conversation for another time. Indeed. Well, thank you, Jenna, for giving us all of these wonderful things that you're doing and all of the hints and reminding people to keep their boundaries set for themselves. And oh my goodness, so much stuff. And dear listeners, we are going to have all kinds of links in the show notes so you can catch up with Jenna and enjoy some of the offerings that she has. Thank you, Jamie, for coming and joining me on this wonderful January morning. And uh, thank you, listeners. And we would like to also thank our editor, Um, Mike Charbonneau and of course Kendra and her beautiful music for our opening and our closing
you for listening to Tarot Visions, a podcast for the modern oracle. To keep the conversation going, find us on Facebook at Tarot Visions US or follow us on Twitter at Tarot underscore Visions. 